The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Thank you for that rousing open. Every time I hear that. The Chris Sheeran Show. On YesNetwork.com. It's just so over the top. But I love, I love it. I, I got to say I love it. Kamer's the best. I forget what the title of that song is, but the, the title of the song we used to use for the Yes Men was called The Big Cheese, which seemed to fit perfectly with what we do here <laughs> on the Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com oh, and iTunes Podcasts. Oh, yeah, the cheese, the, emph- the emphasis on the cheese. Would Give be... the, the high stinky Limburger. Yeah, okay, rookie of the year. Uh, rocks and grabber. Rowenheimer. Um, I think a good place to start, first and foremost, since we ended the podcast with this last time, let me just throw this out at the beginning of it. We want to take the podcast on the road. So Lou and I are asking our faithful fans, you, hello, and you, we're talking to you, um, if you have a place near you that you want Lou and I to bring the hijinks and hilarity roadshow to, let us know. Drop us a line on Twitter. We'll set it up, and we'll bring the equipment, and we'll be there. Mm -hmm. And we will light that place up, baby. That's right. Light it up. And maybe we even bring a guest. Maybe. We brought Jim Layritz to the world of Beer New Brunswick. Who could we bring to your world? Exactly. So, you know, just uh, send us a line on Twitter, at mention us, and we'll see if we could uh, make something happen. And to prove you're listening, if you are listening, I thought of this. I was going through my closet, and I saw my... Dover jersey hanging there. Mm-hmm. The MVP. <laughs> you were the shortstop that hit two home runs? <laughs> no, I was the MVP between you and me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking, um, first person to listen to this podcast, listen to this part of the podcast, and wants a game-worn Dover number 19 jersey, it's yours. I'll ship it to you. You don't have to worry about any costs. It's all yours. So just at mention me and say, I want your Dover jersey. And it's yours. Wow, how about that? I just washed mine the other day. Washed? Washed it. <laughs> I just did the laundry, and I washed mine the other day. Yeah, you had, you had to wash the stench of loss. Something of like that. Jersey. Dude, let me tell you about this. This is awful. The, I, and I was, I'm glad we didn't do this yesterday. I'm glad we waited till today because I was in a bad mood yesterday. What happened? Part of it being softball. So Tuesday night was opening night for my team up in Westchester, and we got parts of our body kicked in. Wow. All of them. Many of them uh, by a team that's not that good. Uh, We just, you know. Errors? Softball's a hitter's game. We had four. So. Ooh. So, yeah. So that that started. And then Wednesday night, we have the 8-15 game in our Stanford League. I saw you leaving for that. Yes, you did. Papi Chulo. Papi Chulo. <laughs> My, the guy who runs the team when he ordered jerseys a couple years ago forgot to order mine, and so I got another guy on the teams who left the team and never played, so I am now Papi Chulo 69. I'm begging for a new jersey. <laughs> anyway, we get to the field, and the team we're playing has seven guys. It's an 8-15 game. You have seven guys. Call wow. in the forfeit. Right. So we're out there freezing our tookies off. Oh, yeah. Got, that was a 70-degree day that turned, that turned into, into like a 30-degree yeah, night. Yeah. Right. And the wind was blowing, and the park we, one of the parks we play at is right on the harbor right here outside our office. Mm-hmm. And it's windy and cold it's and freezing. miserable. Yeah. And we played the top of the first inning, and they bat with seven guys, and then 
we shut them down, and then the ump says, that's it. They don't have nine. Game's over. So you waited all that so I, time? So I sat here for two hours after, you know, after, quote, unquote, my day ended, because my work day on Wednesdays is pretty much 10 to 6. Right. And sat here for two hours, hanging out with you guys and watching net stuff and doing some other things, to go not play softball. For an inning. For an inning. I was the DH. Did you get in a bat? No, because we never batted. Oh, my so I, God. So I stood on the bench and did, did one inning of the book for the other team. So that's the rule. They could start with seven, but somebody else has to show you start up with You can start with seven or eight, but you have to have nine by the time you go in the field. If you start with seven or eight, you become the visiting team automatically, and you bat first. And if you don't have nine guys by the time you're in the field, they don't Game's let you play. Game's over. Which, realistically, I mean, I would let them play with eight. Just don't play with a second baseman. It's softball. Not a lot of guys are... Trying to hit the ball to second base. Right. Unless you hit one to second, you find out the second baseman can't mm-hmm. field, then everybody starts sending it over there. Yeah. Or, you know, a, a one of us will catch for you kind of thing. But Yeah. Um, so I was in a bad mood. Not to mention that I was at the eye doctor for two hours yesterday for maybe 10 minutes worth of actual doctoring. It was kind of hard to look at Lou yesterday because one of his pupils was dilated and the other one wasn't. I didn't know which one to focus on. <laughs> And I didn't want you to feel self-conscious at the same time, so I just kind of, like, going from one eye to the other. You don't realize that. Like, when you look at somebody, like, I'm looking at you now, I, I, I just focused on one eye. Yeah. But yesterday, it's like I looked at you and, like, bam, there it was. And I was like, mole. <laughs> like that scene in Austin Powers. Mm, mole, 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 mole. <laughs> yeah, so I had – so this is the other reason why I'm in, I was in a bad mood. I had an eye doctor appointment, so I had eye surgery back in October. Right. Uh, which but everything's going well. Right. Listeners of the Yes Men may remember I was out for three weeks. Um, and so I needed a little bit of a touch-up. They had to do a little laser cryopexy on my eye. Um, it takes five minutes. He had to touch up one spot. Mm-hmm. Literally takes five minutes. My appointment's at 945, and I'm thinking, if this takes five minutes, I know they have to dilate me, this, that, the other thing. I'll probably be here by 11. You know, appointment will be over by 1030. Right. You know, probably take 45 minutes to dilate me, then dilate me again, then look in there and make sure what they're doing, and then get the laser set up, and yada, yada, yada. I got here at 5 of 12, because I got to the doctor at 940. Mm -hmm. They checked me in. The uh, assistant puts the first set of drops in my eye. Fifteen minutes later, she comes back and is like, did anyone come out to put the second set of drops in your eye? No. Okay, so she does that there. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I'm sitting there. Finally, at like 1040, she takes me in and does like the quick, you know, like, all right, you have your glasses on, check your vision, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And then 20 minutes later, the doctor comes in, looks at it for two minutes to make sure everything's still good. He's like, you know, if the the one spot we have to touch up isn't full of fluid anymore, we don't have to do it, this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. And at this point, I've been there for over an hour, and I'm like, no, you're going to do this because I'm here now. (laughs) Does that. Everything's fine. Leaves the room, comes back 20 minutes later, and it takes two minutes to do this. In and out. In and out. I'm like, if I had just dilated my eye myself and got here, I could have been in and out of here in five minutes. You would have been driving in circles, though. Either that or I would have said, have me come in at the end of the day, and, you know, I'll I'll be the last patient. Over two hours, I was in the doctor's office for 10 minutes tops of actual doctor. And that was the same day as the softball game? No, that was yesterday. That was yesterday. So it was two days of bad softball on top of my so Tuesday, maddening Wednesday, doctor's bad appointment. softball. Thursday, maddening doctor's. I was just in a mood yesterday. Well, you know who else is in a mood right now? The Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> what a segue! 
Yeah, that same night you were uh, freezing your you-know-what's off playing softball for a half an inning. And yeah. actually, you weren't even playing. You were keeping the book. for. Did you actually throw to warm up? I did. Well, you had that going for yeah. you, which was nice. Yeah. Broke out my baseball pants. I mean, it was great. Sorry. I don't mean to laugh. What an awful time. But my goodness. Hey, but we're one to know. At the same time, uh, the Brooklyn Nets were losing a pivotal game five. And... You know, you could look at Darren Williams and you could place the blame on him if you want to after he has 35 in game four and single-handedly pretty much gets the Nets even in that series with the Hawks. The one three-pointer he hit was from, like, Junior's Cheesecakes, and the one that gave him the 102-101 lead. Uh, he was just unconscious. That a 7 of 11 from downtown in games one, two, three, and 5. He's 9 for 34 with 23 points. In game four, he was 13 for 25 with 35 points. Now, like I said, you could look at him and place the blame on him in game five. He was not effective. Uh, the Nets did not get out to a fast start. It was one of Donnie Marshall's keys to the game. They did not do it. It was the Hawks that got out to the 33-16 lead. It was very eerily reminiscent of game one, Lou, in the fact that they were down 32-20, Yep. After one, dug the big hole and one. couldn't come out of it. Dug the big hole, had a couple of runs to get kind of back, but couldn't come all the way back. Yep. The same thing happened in game five. They went down, and in game one, they were down by as many as 16. Game uh, five, they were down by as many as 17, and it was the deficit at the end of the first quarter. And then you look at the rest of the game, the same way as game one. The Nets won the second quarter, won the fourth quarter, lost the third quarter by three points. In game one. Yep. You tweeted about that, that they've lost the third quarter by five combined, and it was right. the deficit at the end of the first that killed them. Game five. Yep. Lost the first, won the second, lost the third by two, won the fourth. Mm -hmm. And Budenholzer brought that up, the coach of the year for the Atlanta Hawks in the in the postgame show. You know, he, he even said, if it wasn't for those first quarters, you know, this, this series could be over right now. Right. And we could be going home. So that's what you – as a Net fan – you know, it, it probably frustrates the heck out of you that you have to sit there and say to yourself, golly, if we didn't get off to those bad starts in games one and five, we could actually be moving on already. It's that Stanley Cup syndrome we talked about last year where it's like a couple mistakes, one bad move in overtime, yeah. and the series is completely different. You know what? That's a great point out of you. It, it's it's kind of like getting the bounce or getting the puck off the stick. What's fitting given how the Rangers lost game one last yeah. night too. So, I mean, that's that's something we'll talk about later, but... It's that syndrome that of one. what could have, should have, you know, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. So, but you know, I didn't like, if you want to get on Darren, fine. It's your God given right, it's your opinion. But you cannot get on him for game five unless you also get Brooke Lopez yep. and get on him a little bit. Now, I'm not going to get on Brooke too much because he actually went into the post game locker room and put the onus on himself. And everything that Donnie Marshall and I were talking about up until that point to where we heard that sound, he owned up to. And Brooke was strong to the basket maybe once or twice where he would be leaning in to take a shot or going towards the rim to take a shot. He took so many fadeaways. And when the ball got into him, he was a black Hole. He looked like the Brooke Lopez that we talked about weeks ago, more specifically you talked Before about Before the All-Star break. Right, that just basically kept the offense stagnant because 
he didn't do what he was supposed to do in theory. In our pregame meeting before game five with Josh Isaac, our producer, and Donnie and Jeff Quagliata, our uh, research guru, and Luke Miller and, and all the guys that put this show together, it's not just me and Donnie. It's a, it's a bunch of people. But we're sitting there, and Donnie just throws it out, and Glenn G and Granny, and Donnie throws it out just matter-of-factly, how many assists does Brooke Lopez have this year? So we all guessed. And me, I... 14? <laughs> be my guess. I said 30. I said 30. And I thought I'd be off a little bit, like too high. It's, it's not high enough. It's 50. He had two assists. Two. And when he gets... Uh, in game five. When he gets the ball in the middle of the paint, the Hawks collapse. Meaning what? Someone's open on the perimeter. And he would take... Sometimes he'd take a dribble... And then take a fadeaway jump shot from 18 to 23. I mean, come on. You think on. he's Dirk Nowitzki all of a sudden? Come on. You're Is not, that what it was? You're not Dirk. He does his damage. And the Nets – and uh, here's another thing. The last two games, and I know they won game four, but the last two games the Hawks have dominated not only points in the paint but rebounding too. Those are two key categories that, that actually trampoline the Nets into the playoffs the last couple weeks of the yep. season, and the Hawks have just ripped that away from them. Yep. So here, here's th- – those are negatives. If you want positives of, as, an, as a Net fan out there before game six – before we tape this here on a Friday and game six takes place tonight, and game seven would be Sunday at 1 o'clock if there is a game seven. But a couple positives. You know, the Nets have held serve at home. They've played better at home. The games have been nail-bitingly close. That's not going to make you sit in your chair and not be able to fidget. But at the same time, all they have to do is look at tape. Kyle Korver, by the way, was – it seemed like he had – He's been struggling all series, and he finally got going. <laughs> it seemed like he had 50 points. Jarrett Jack played very well in the fourth he quarter did. the other night, too. He was single-handedly bringing the team back every time the Hawks would make that run to try to put it away. It seemed like, you know, listening, I was listening on the radio on the way home from failed softball. It seemed like every time something happened, it was Chris Carino yelling, Jarrett Jack! Yeah, he was right. But he also had a, uh, a big turnover down the stretch. Uh, the Nets were down four with 118 to go. Brooke Lopez does a high pick and roll. Now, Brooke never rolls. What does he do? He pops. He pops out for his jump shot. So on this occasion... Jarrett Jack gets the pick from Brooke, keeps dribbling, and jumps up in the air to avoid a defender and is looking for Brooke to be popped where he usually is. He's rolling instead, so Jack has nowhere to throw the ball, turns it over. That was a huge turnover. Joe Johnson cut it to two with a three-pointer. They're down 97-92. He hits a three, down 97-95. They actually had the ball down two with a chance to tie, and instead of going up strong, and I can't, listen, Joe Johnson played a hell of a game too, but instead of going up strong, he tried to reverse layup, Hawks get the ball, Jeff Teague, three, done. I mean, there's so little room for error for this Nets team, especially with this, you can say what you want about the Hawks, they were shooting 41%, which was 13th out of 16 playoff teams. And they're winning 3-2? They were fourth in the NBA in field goal percentage Mm -hmm. for the regular season. They were second behind the Golden State Warriors at 38% from three. They were shooting 31.1% 
from three in the playoffs. You know where that was? Gone. No. It, 16 <clears throat> playoff teams. 15th? Ninth. Okay? Ninth. But I looked at Donnie and I said, this team could turn around that shooting on a dime. And they did? And if it does, this series could end rather quickly. And that's what could happen tonight. But if you want to be positive, Nets are back home. They've played well enough to win on the road. They just haven't had that complete game. That's the thing, Lou. That's the thing. And you see, teams, especially in the postseason, they get put under a microscope. And all of their faults that were glaring in the regular season, at some point during a series, they're going to be shown big time. And you're not going to need a high-powered microscope to see them. And the Nets' major problem, and it's not just with certain individuals, although certain individuals sometimes are the problem, the team is inconsistent. A starting pitcher, a relief pitcher in the major leagues, it's like real estate. Location, location, location. Nate Evaldi proves that every time he takes the mound. Guy throws 98 miles an hour, and the Mets were hitting him like it was batting practice. The Nets are inconsistent. You have to be consistent, not just individually, but as a team for 48 minutes. You know, you're all by yourself on the mound. You're all by yourself in the batter's box. You're out there with four other guys on the floor. And it just seems like certain points in the game, and this is all season long, the Nets, just they look lost. They lose their way. I was just going to say that. You can't look lost now. And I don't want to hear, you know, you could talk a third of the way, half of the way even into the season about, hey, you know, we got some new guys. We're still trying to gel. Okay, this right now, tonight, is game 88. Mm-hmm. 88! And if you don't win that, there is no game 89. No. And, you know, this Nets team can do something that only five other teams have done in the history of the NBA postseason. An eight seed. Beating a one seed. That's nothing to... Sh- I mean, if, if the Nets could pull this off, everything that we've talked about negatively about this team goes out the window. I don't... And it's, playing, only, it's only happened twice in a seven-game series, right? The first three, I think it was, were in the, when it was best five of five. Five games. Yeah. They're playing with house money in the second round. Mm-hmm. And guess who they're playing in the second round if they advance? The Wizards. Guess who's on the Wizards? Paul Pierce. What 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 moron wouldn't want that? Except if you're a hawk fan. <laughs> yeah. What 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 NBA fan wouldn't want to see that theater? Especially yeah. if it goes seven games. I know I would be glued. I would be glued to the television. They would track. have had to look confident either way, though, because if they didn't play the Wizards, they would have been playing the Raptors, who they beat in the first round last year. Yeah. And they look like I'll, I'll give. Tim, well, they look they look terrible. I'll give Tim Bontemps credit for this one on Twitter. He said they look, they were they were a tire fire, the Springfield tire fire come to life. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's 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 wrap it up with 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 this point I'm going to make about basketball. Does the first round really need to be the best of seven? I mean, the, no. it, it's taken three and a half weeks as it is. And Donnie and I were talking about that. We we talked about it on the. Uh, on and the, on the pregame show, and, and, and what he, did you get? He said it. Did she go back to five? Chicago was up three zero. Yeah, Chicago was up three zero. Milwaukee comes back and takes two close games, and then loses by fifty four at home in Game Six last night. Oof. Okay, the Wizards sweep the Raptors out of here. 
like they put out a tire fire. <laughs> they were the extinguishers. Cleveland, even with missing one of their best players because he got his arm ripped out of his socket by yeah. Kelly Olynyk, which, which was a thug move, yeah. by the way. Um, he should have been suspended for a lot more than one game, and J.R. Smith should have been suspended for a lot more for, than two for the street fighter spinning back fist on Jay Crowder. They sweat. That was a sweep. So I know that after four games, Brooklyn was 2-2. Every other series was 3-0 to 3-1 mm-hmm. in game four. Mm-hmm. Three of the four series were, would have been sweeps in a five-game series. So we needed to play seven for what? I know. Now, the Spurs and Clippers are going to seven after last night. The Clippers kind of held off <clears throat> their elimination in San Antonio. But even the Western Conference, Golden State, the, they came back and bum-rushed the Pelicans in game three, and that was it. They had no chance. You know, Memphis dispatched of Portland with little uh, little fanfare. 4-1, I believe, was the final there. I know. Why? I'm, I'm why? right with you. You know why. I just, and then Houston, I just told you. I whispered it. Houston put <laughs> Dallas out of their misery, and then Houston put their social media manager out of his misery after a really yeah. stupid tweet. But think about it. I mean, we could talk about this. Think about owners. Right? A seven-game series, what are the owners guaranteed on the other end? Money. Two gates. Two gates. A guaranteed two. Mm-hmm. And Whereas it, it, in a five-game series, it's only one for the team that's the low seed. Right. It, 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 there was a song back in the day when I played high school football for one year. Um, it was called, How Do You Spell Love? M-O-N-E-Y. <laughs> oh. No wonder kids today can't spell. They yeah. probably have that in the Rolage jingle uh, in their yeah. head. Yeah. But, you know, it, how do you spell NBA playoffs? M-O-N-E-Y. Any, any playoffs. It's not just the NBA. Why do you when think does, the NFL is going to expand when, to another two teams? When does the, the second round begin? July? <laughs> when, when the championship series it starts to interfere with the summer league, <laughs> then you know you have some issues. Game seven, I looked at the schedule because I'm going to Cleveland this summer for a day. I'm going to a wedding. Game seven of the NBA Finals is five days, if it goes that far, is, could be five days before the draft. How do you evaluate your season if you just played a game a week ago? I, I don't know. It's not like the MLB draft where you can do that because the guys that you draft aren't going to be coming up for th- at least a few months. Think about it. I mean, they start uh, preseason in October. There's no offseason anymore. And they basketball. go right through June, and then the summer league starts. So you have the draft, the summer league. Yep. And then free agency begins. July and then 1st. Somewhere around July 15th, you have about a two-month okay period. And that's your offseason. You don't stop. Nope. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. And I brought up the NFL, possibly going to another two postseason teams. So let's talk about the NFL draft. I would be fine with that, personally, but okay. Okay. I think, I think everybody would because it's just a bonus. It adds, one, it adds one more game, yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Have a 6-10 and 10 team in the playoffs. Who cares? Um, <laughs> and have them go all the way to the well, Super here's Bowl. Well, here's the thing, though. That's, that wouldn't be a 6-10 and 10 team if they added another wild card. It would be an actual good team to overcome the cream of the crap like the Atlanta Falcons were last year. Cream of the crap? Yeah, cream of the crap. I like that. Or the Carolina Panthers. I'm sorry. Yeah, whoever. Cream of the crap. All right, so let's break it down. Round one. Fight! Uh, seven offensive linemen, <laughs> six wide receivers, five D-line, D-back, and linebackers, two quarterbacks, we know who they are, and two running backs. So that was your breakdown. That is the total antithesis of, fantasy, of a fantasy football draft. And let me round. tell you what's surprising about that list you just mentioned is the last line. 
There were two running backs picked in the first round. Yeah. This is increasingly becoming a league where the bell cow back is hard to find. And there's a handful of them, and you want to hold on to them, like DeMarco Murray, like LaShawn McCoy was a couple years ago, like Adrian Peterson was before he was suspended, like, oh, I don't know, who else leads the league in rushing every year? Are you shocked that the Cowboys didn't trade for Peterson? Jerry Jones has wanted bit. this guy a little bit, forever, yeah. but I think... You know, he might be a little bit – I've been joking about it on Twitter ever since I heard the rumors about reversal walkering yeah. <laughs> the Cowboys. Maybe he's worried about it. Who knows? Maybe. And maybe he doesn't want to put together the – you know, you remember when Portland was called the Jailblazers for a little while back oh in the boy. day when everybody was getting arrested. I mean, that's – he already added Greg Hardy this offseason. Adding AP would have been a, another just drama bomb. Yeah, that's true. And Family Guy weighed in on Adrian Peterson. I don't know if you saw that. I have not. It's still on my DVR, but I heard about it. Arbitrarium. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, Todd Gurley uh, oh, going number boy. 10 to the Rams was sort of surprising. I mean, a top 10 running back, that's... Considering, <sighs> yeah, but considering they need a lot of help on the offensive line. And, and I know, you know, it's Gurley and he has knee issues. They, they had to do their due diligence and on he had his his knee. And he got suspended for misconduct while he was at Georgia. If he doesn't have a line... I just I don't get it. See that everybody said the Giants could have traded down to get Eric Flowers. That was their guy. If it wasn't Scherf, it was Flowers, who went number five, shockingly, to the Redskins. Yes, yeah. um, and the Jets got the best player on the board and, at and that time. At Joe and Evan again said it perfectly today that you know what McCagnan didn't try to get cute. He right. didn't try to go outside the box. He didn't try to go down. Yeah. He just took the. This guy's the best player in the draft, according to many people, and he's here at six. We're taking him. And and <laughs> Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Temple uh, Temple made Mo Wilkerson. Yeah, Wilkerson and Pro Bowler Sheldon Richardson. That's a hell of a defensive Richardson. Line. You add this kid to the mix, and look what you just brought in in free agency. He went back to the future. Revis and Cromarty. So you've got beasts on the defensive line, beasts in the defensive backfield. David Harris will be back. Calvin Pace. I mean, this is a defense. That is an unbelievable defense. It's not the 85 Bears, but you can win with Geno Smith as your quarterback. Yes. If that's yes. with that defense. If he keeps the damn mistakes down. I, I stuck up for that kid at least until week eight last year. Well, now that he's got Brandon Marshall, I mean, that's that's huge. Who's their running back? I'll figure it out. <laughs> Chris Ivory. I mean, yeah. is he ready to be? A, is he ready to be a bell cow? But again, in a league where that's that's increasingly becoming a running back by committee in many situations. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Who's the Giants' running back? Who's the Eagles' Rashad running back? Jennings, other than De- if DeMarco Andre Murray Williams. gets hurt, they got nothing. I mean, you know. Oh, you have Sproles. He's not an every down back. Just, it's just, he's just not. He reminds me of Dave Meggett. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Me- I mean, they do have Chris Polk too, but Dave Meggett used to take like a hundred steps and go two yards. Yeah, <laughs> that's why the Eagles traded McCoy because he did that last year too. Oh, trust me, I know. He was my fantasy running back. Kiko. He was my first round pick. Boo. <laughs> yeah, if you selected in the top five of your fantasy draft last year, chances are you probably didn't win because you were it. taking McCoy and AP. I made it to the semifinals. Well, actually, Peyton Manning was probably a top five. But he, so. he screwed me in, in, in the playoffs. So. But, but the draft itself is great. The, the Giants got what they needed. They got an offensive lineman. They can move Pew to the left now, and they're building their line. Uh, 
Doug and I, all season long, all we talked about was the Giants' offensive line. The Giants were not – this is my opinion. The Giants were not going to trade back and, and no. hope to get Flowers. They weren't. They just weren't going to do it. They needed – that was a need. They filled the need. They, the only way they would have traded back, I think, is if St. Louis or who picked 11th? I can't remember. Called them and said, we got a guy we want. Like, if St. Louis really wanted Gurley that bad and was afraid that the Giants were going to take him. And honestly, maybe them taking Gurley was like, well, we want this guy, but if he's not here, this is our pick. Right. That's it. They weren't going to trade too far back because it's not, a, it's not a draft rife with top offensive tackles. There was two. They were both taken in the top nine. This is not a draft rife with franchise quarterbacks. There were two potentially. They were taking one and two. That's it. You're, you're taking what you get. The Eagles need a lot. Jeremy Macklin's clone from USC was there at number 20. They took him. I got to give Greg Breton credit for this one. He's, he's a huge Giant fan. He's, he's the associate director for the Michael K. Show, and he does camera when I do my updates in there. He says to me, you know what we say to Eric Flowers? We take him in to meet Eli Manning. We have Eli Manning turn around, say, hey, Eric, see that butt? Make sure it doesn't get dirty. Now get in the weight room. Because <laughs> basically, uh, yeah, I mean, he could start it inside at guard. Yep. Until, you know, Beatty decides to be Beatty. Uh, I don't know how fast you move him to left tackle, uh, protecting Eli's blind side. But this guy is a mountain of mm-hmm. a man. He's yep. what, six, five, six, six, six seven. Six, seven, 330, 330 pounds. pounds. And, he, and he's a mauler. He's, he's a run yeah, blocking mauler. Yeah. He says he loves the game of football, uh, he loves to play. I hope his work ethic is there. And I hope the Giants, there was something wrong with his, I, I was just reading about him, there's something wrong with his handwork yeah. where he places his hands. That's. That could be teachable. easily rectified, and te- it's teachable. Six words that John Gruden said last night. He's a prototypical New York Giant. Yes, exactly. Prototypical New York Giant. That's exactly what they needed. What, are the, what were the Giants built on when they were successful? Ground and pound. There you go. Get, you know, and Rash- if Rashad Jennings stays healthy, and he actually has, you know, they, I, I they had 2,000-yard running backs in the same season, and their third stringer ended up being 1,000 yard back the next year. Yeah. Yeah. In that glory days with, with Ward and uh, what's-his-face? It was Derek Ward, Bradshaw was a third stringer, Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs. But here, look, I forget which network did it. It might have been CBS when they had the uh, NFC, uh, and it was Madden and Summerall. Yeah. But this is how my memory works. Back in the day? Yeah. But when uh, Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith were the top two running backs in the league, they did this graphic or – a video package that showed on most of Emmett Smith's plays, he was making his cuts after three yards. Barry Sanders was making his cuts in the backfield. negative two yards. Yeah. So if you put Barry Sanders hypothetically on the Cowboys, God knows what that guy could have done. God knows. Yeah. You need to give Eli Manning time. They needed to get an offensive lineman. I don't want to hear about trading down. I don't want to hear about they could have sacrificed or or made a trade and got another pick. They have eight. Okay, they have eight. And Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin know that their rear ends are on the line here. They're hot. They're on the hot seat. 
they needed to do this. They needed to make this move, and now Flowers has to make them look like they, they knew what you know, they were doing. It, it, it irks me that the phrase system quarterback is a pejorative when it's been used to describe Marcus Mariota and others in the past because the NFL is the one game where the system oftentimes dictates the result more than individual talent. The Denver Broncos could have put you behind their offensive line in the 90s and 2000s and had you rush for 1,000 yards because six different guys did it. I mean, after Terrell Davis was too hurt to play, CJ, uh, Cleveland Gary. Uh, Cleveland Gary, wow. What's it, Anderson? Um, I can't even name them all. They had like four or five different backs who every year just ran for 1,000 yards and behind that zone blocking scheme. Even now last year, Monty Ball was hurt a lot of the time. C.J. Anderson took over. No, Sean Marino never got going. They had these guys. They just kept plugging and plugging and plugging and plugging because that's their system. Tom Brady has won with wide receivers as bad or worse than what Donovan McNabb had in Philly when he won with them. Reason? It was the system. McNabb was a great quarterback. Brady is a great quarterback. They had a good running game in, in Philly, which helped them out, whereas Brady just makes people better. Any running back they put in that system is good. Any receiver they seem to put in that system is good, and when you get a really good one like Randy Moss, he's great. Mm -hmm. That's the way the NFL works. So you want to find guys, as Gruden said, prototypical New York Giant, that fit your mold. doesn't matter if they're the most talented player as long as they fit your mold. System guy. That's why I'm not too down on what Chip Kelly's doing. You know? Not even with the quarterbacks? We'll see. What now? If 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 they did, they didn't. But if they traded up and got Mariota, wouldn't you be like, "What the hell are they doing? What is he doing?" No. Yes and no. I was not in that camp because I think that they have more needs than Mariota. However, Mariota played in his system at Oregon. Yes. For two years. Mm-hmm. He knows the system. He kn- it, it. He could be one of those guys. I don't advocate bad teams. Plugging in these rookie quarterbacks on day one. Jacksonville waited a little bit with Bortles, and he seemed to get better as time went on. They, they were still dreadful, but you could see his progression from week to week. We all know how the Kurt Warner thing worked out for the Giants pretty well. Now he has Julius Thomas. So, or does he have, which one left, Demarius or Julius? Who that's went, a good question. Who went to Jacksonville? Julius. Julius, okay. So he has another good target. We all know how that worked out, though, when they decided to let Eli learn for a few weeks. And yeah. then, on the other hand, we all know how Tim Couch and David Carr worked out. Yeah. Okay, those are expansion teams. So it's a little, little extreme of an example, but still. So Mariota would have been a guy who would have said, okay, I'm comfortable with plugging him in day one because he's coming into a system he already knows. I, I completely agree with you. Jameis Winston is a very talented quarterback, but... If he starts day one in Tampa Bay, he's going to get killed. So is Mariota in Tennessee. You just can't plug and play those guys. They're not. You know they're they're going to, though. They're not Peyton Manning. But you know they're going to. Of course. They showed the graphic of the five times that quarterbacks have gone 1-2 in the draft, and it's like you almost want to say the ESPN poll should have been, which one of these guys is going to be the bust? Yeah. Because it was, you know, Couch and McNabb. How'd that work out for Tim Couch? Not so good. Manning and Leaf. How'd that work out for Ryan? We all Leaf? know. <laughs> Bledsoe and Myra. How'd that work out for Rick Myra? Yeah. You know, like Poor and then Rick Meyer. Luck and Griffin, the jury's still out, but Griffin looks like he's gonna be the, the bust of the two. And then the other one was Jim Pluckett and somebody, but they were both I forget who it was, but they were both good. Elway, no? No, it was nineteen seventy something. Oh. What was Elway? Eighty 
83, 83 but he, they weren't drafted 1-2, I don't believe. Oh. <clears throat> I'll have to look that up. That's going to bother me, but I'll, I'll do it as we're, we continue to talk. But it was Jim Plunkett and somebody, and they were both like good quarterbacks, so I just can't remember who it was. But, uh, yeah, so three out of the four times before it's happened, one of them has been, well, we'll see what Griffin, but one of them has been out of the league really quickly. Yeah, well, we we all know too about the Heisman Trophy curse. So, uh, yep. <laughs> just because you win a Heisman Trophy uh, doesn't mean exactly that you're uh, you're going to make it in the NFL. They showed that graphic too. The handful of times that two Heisman Trophy winners have been selected in the same draft. Oh, and uh, it's mostly recently because you know you're going to kick yourself when I tell you who it was. Jim Plunkett was taken by the Boston Patriots in the 1971 draft. At number two, and as soon as I say the team, you're going to get it. The New Orleans Saints selected. Archie Manning. There you go. And the Houston Oilers took Dan Pastorini. Who? Another quarterback. Dan Pastorini. I had a Dan Pastorini poster in my bedroom for some reason. Uh, you were the guy. Uh, yeah. Does I he still send you handwritten letters thanking you for the royalties? He, he does. I have no idea who that is. You don't know who Dan Pastorini is? No. He played for the Oilers, Raiders, Rams, and the Eagles in 82-83. A little before my time. 103 touchdowns, 161 interceptions. Yeah, he was clearly a, clearly a number three overall talent. <laughs> clearly, I should have had his poster in right. my bedroom. Shoot for mediocrity, Chris. <laughs> Shoot for the stars. Remember, if you fall, you'll land in the clouds. And if it's a sunny day, well, I guess you're screwed. Oh, God. I, I admitted I had a Dan Pastorini poster. God, can we erase that? Nope. Come here, you little. I have the computer, and they will listen to every damn word you have to say. <laughs> All right, let's move on to baseball before I admit some other poster I had in my bedroom. I did have the Dukes of Hazard. I had a Dan Marino Rocket Man poster in my in my bedroom when I was a kid. I had the Dukes of Hazard. Boss Hogg was on a poster in my bedroom. Also, Roger Staubach with mm. a with his dislocated pinky Oof. on a football. Yeah, that was great. Drew Pearson, who went to my high school. Anyway, Yankees. Let's talk a little Yankees. Two and a half games separates first from last in the AL East. That would be New York in first and Toronto in last. If Toronto and Baltimore win tonight, Friday, all five teams would be 500 or better. And the uh, closest other division to the AL East is the NL West. Just four and a half games separate top to bottom. It's the Dodgers in first there. And the defending world champion Giants bringing up the rear right now. Um, At least they're not as bad as Milwaukee. Yeah. Which is not Algonquin yeah. for the good land right no, now. No, it's not. It's Algonquin for... Um, Tire fire. We are going to trade off some players <laughs> now. To, who, who wants Ryan Braun? <laughs> <laughs> three or four years ago. Yeah. But, Wish uh, we had him three years ago. We did. Five years ago, then. Um, I don't know. I really don't know how the Yankees are doing it right now. Uh, it's pretty much smoke and mirrors in pitching. It's their bullpen. Their bullpen it is, is... It's unbelievable. It's as advertised. Miller and Batances are leading and tied for second in the league in strikeouts by a reliever. Miller and Batances, you have no chances. Doesn't make any sense. I just tried to throw it out there. I anyway. like it. Yeah. Sexy. It stinks. Uh, but uh, uh, Mark Teixeira, who leads the team in home runs, uh, is one for his last 15. But, to be fair... April has never been his month. Oh, no, that's true, too. So I'm not poo-pooing him, yeah. but he's won for his last 15. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, and didn't play last year, 
But he's five for his last 37 and leads the team with 23 strikeouts. Uh, 23 Ks and 69 at-bats, meaning he strikes out 33% of the time. He's batting 232. Carlos Beltran, who has a couple hits in his last couple games, maybe it'll break him out, but he's four for his last 30. Steven Drew is three for his last 20. He's, all, he's still on the interstate. And Didi Gregorius, even though he's above the Mendoza line, is four for his last 19. And, you know, watching him, I, I think, look, you could say as much as you want, I'm not here to replace Derek Jeter, but when you step into that position right after Jeter leaves, I don't care who you are or how much you know, a facade you could put up, it, it, it's making him press, especially with the slow start that he got mm-hmm. off to. In my opinion, I think Didi will be fine. He just needs to shake off okay. the mantra of right, replacing Jeter. Right, right. Uh, like Alex Rodriguez said, June 15th, Come and talk to me. Here's 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 the thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this around to the bullpen when I do it. There's a lot of people who think that a lot of the reason that David Robertson is gone and the Yankees never made an offer, you can say all you want about coveting the draft picks, you can say all you want about the fact that they saved nine million dollars over four years with Miller, and he's been just as good, if not better, so far. David Robertson last August got really, really, really tired of answering questions about Mariano Rivera. And you could see it in his face. Even guys like me who have had a very good rapport with David Robertson over the years, you could see it in his face and the way he answered questions that he was really, really tired of it. Mm -hmm. Okay? And you can't blame him. Because by that point, it should have been a moot point. That was going to happen regardless of who replaced Derek Jeter. Which is why I was one of maybe many who thought, you know what, the Phillies are looking to shed some payroll. Jimmy Rollins is in the last year of his deal. I thought Jimmy Rollins would have been a perfect one-year replacement. Would have softened the blow. You could have given up a lower-level prospect for him as long as you ate most of his salary, mm-hmm. which did, you know, the Dodgers didn't give up a whole lot in that trade. No, nothing terribly of note. He, you give him one year, let him be the guy, and then you develop something. You see what you've got. Because the Yankees have a lot of good prospects in the lower levels. They've got three of them right now on the same roster in Charleston that are top shortstop prospects in the organization. Rollins is a veteran. He's a World Series champion. He's won a batting title. He's done a lot of the things Derek Jeter has done and done it in a pressure cooker environment in Philadelphia and would have been the perfect fit to seamlessly go in and say, yeah, I'm not Jeter, but I can handle myself the way Jeter did and I can you know, put a good showing for myself. Putting in a guy who's 24, 25 years old, who hasn't shown he can hit lefties in the league, that's a tough spot. Now, he's made plays this year that Derek Jeter, even in his prime, might not have made coming across the middle. So his range is in no question. His defense is in no question. And that was Brian Cashman's mantra was improving the defense this year. But that's all predicated on, like you said, A-Rod rounding back into form, Beltran rounding back into form after a tough year, Teixeira rounding back into form. If those guys in the middle of the order aren't hitting, it doesn't matter whether Didi's hitting or not if the guys that are there to drive in runs can't do it. So I'm going to bring – that's why I said I brought that back to the bullpen and that, you know, maybe – Maybe the maybe the pressure of the situation that they say there's no pressure in the situation is going to get to him. It's very possible. It's not easy. I like how you brought that around. Thank you. And you use David Robertson as a, as an example yeah. because that's a tremendous example. Yeah. And by August, Tino Martinez. I mean, you know, they said it all year. Tino Martinez was booed Don in Mattingly. 1996, and Absolutely. now he's got a plaque. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. Here, could I? 
as you were talking, I was looking up something to further hammer your point home. By Go for the way. it. I'm just going to read you the numbers. Eight and a third, 18 hits, 15 earned runs, 16-20 ERA over his last two starts. Shane Green. So as my I was wondering if that's who it was, but I didn't want to say it. Yeah. As my partner said, yep. I want to say three weeks ago. Two or three. Yeah. Two or three weeks ago. All of you people <laughs> that are killing the trade. Give Shane Green two or three more starts yep. before you start really poo-pooing it. And I just have to give Lou a bunch of credit because on, where was this, April 24th against one of the worst teams in the league in the Indians. That Shane, was last Friday, right? Shane Green, yeah. Shane Green pitched four innings. Gave up eight earned runs and nine hits, struck out one and walked two. Was that in Cleveland or in Detroit? That was in Detroit, so it was home. So it was an even it was harder park in to hit. Comerica, in. Uh, which is a pitcher's park, and his ERA went from that sparkling .39 to three in in a hurry. Yep. And after his last start against the Twins, which Detroit won ten to seven, but Green only lasted four and a third, another nine hit performance seven earned runs this time he did strike out eight he gave up two home runs and his era over three starts you're going april 19th against the white Sox when he shut them down nine to one where it was 0.39 uh fast forward two more starts from 0.39 to 460 aaron small was 10 and 0 in 2005 there's a reason why he's not in the hall of fame did shane green give you any indication that he was Cy Young last year. He showed some brilliance. He's a very good pitcher. He's a good pitcher. Yeah. Calm down. His knock in the minor leagues was that he was his command was his issue. He lost control of his command. He lost his control and lost his command a lot. Walked a lot of guys, and when he lost his command, he would get hit. He had a great half season. The Yankees turned that into possibly a long term yeah. replacement at a position of need. June fifteenth. Uh, listen. Alex Rodriguez, Jack Curry says it all the time. You can say what you want about Alex and, you know, his suspension last year or whatever. He's a student of the game. He is. Yeah. And he was out there with Didi, I want to say, three or four days ago. I think it was Tuesday. Yeah. Just taking some grounders with him at shortstop and trying to – he was coaching him up. Mm -hmm. He was coaching him up. And he's – Alex is very, you know, like you hear basketball IQ, like a guy like Andre Karolinko had great basketball IQ. Alex Rodriguez is the same thing on the baseball field. Same thing. So to see Alex helping him out and to hear Alex Rodriguez say, everybody has to relax, wait till June 15th. Yep. And you know what? We're going to do that. June 15th. We're going to call up Shane Green's numbers. We're going to call up Didi Gregorius's numbers. We'll have to do it on June 18th because June 15th is a Monday, so we ain't doing a podcast. Oh, okay. Well, we'll look them up Monday, Okay. and then we'll give them Sounds on good. Thursday. Sorry. I only know that because my birthday is right around there, so I know which day of the week my birthday is. I thought you were Jeff Perlish there no. for a second. No. People we, like to talk to me. Yeah, we have somebody. Oh, boy. We have somebody here. I love Pearl. That's not fair. We have somebody here that you could give him any date. 
and he'll know what day the of the week it is. In the history of time, and he knows what day of the week it is. It's like Kreskin esque. It's, it's amazing. Unbelievable. It's a talent. Anyway, getting back to the Yankees, just one more thing. CC Sabathia is getting the start tonight. He did pitch well in Detroit. Uh, we did talk about that start where he had 69 pitches going into the seventh inning at the top of the order, and mm-hmm. I wanted to take him out. You wanted to, you know, he has to keep yep. building up arm strength, blah, blah, blah. We went through that already. So I wanted to see, because he's starting the first game in Boston tonight, I wanted to see his uh, career numbers at Fenway. 14 starts, 5-5 five and five with a 5.30 ERA. Lefties at Fenway, you have to be really good. <laughs> Which is what makes John Lester all that much right. more incredible. Because right. he did it right. at home most of the time. He did it at home most of the time. Um, but CC this year... 31 hits and 25 and two-thirds innings pitched. 22 Ks, four walks. So he has good strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's given up four home runs. Opponents are hitting 313 off of him. He's 0-4 with an ERA near six. Now, here's something the splits. Against righties, 345 average with three homers. Against lefties, he's doing the job, Lou. 133 and one home run. And on the road, his ERA is 360, and at home, it's a bulky 928. I don't, I'm not going to sit here after giving all those numbers. Numbers don't lie. We hear it all the time. But I'm not going to sit here and dun CC Sabathia. I'm not. No. I'm not going to do it. Because I think by the end of this season, He's relearning how to right. pitch. He's becoming a different pitcher. But he's doing it on the mound. He's doing it in game action. Right. He, he has to learn. You know, and in Detroit, his slider was filthy. It was yeah. filthy. And he was going through that lineup, which is one of the best lineups in baseball, like a hot knife through butter. And it was in colder weather, which right. is harder to pitch in. Right. So I'm not going to sit here. Even though his numbers are atrocious, 0-4 with an ERA almost 6, and – and opponents are hitting 313 against him. Lou just said it. That's the point you have to remember. And you have to handle this start at Bo- in Boston with kid gloves. Because even in his heyday, he's had some issues at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any one of us was a lefty at Fenway, you better go out there and throw every pitch exactly where you want it. Yep. Because if you don't, you're toast. These guys that play there know this park and know how to use the monster. Yep. Because it's – and you know what? Lefties at Fenway, you get a lot of right-handed hitters because a lot of times people don't like the lefty-lefty matchup. The, the elite lefties hit, but, you know, David Ortiz hits against lefties at home. But a lot of times you get a lot of right-handed hitters. <clears throat> and if you get pull hitters, balls that would be flyouts in Comerica, in Oakland, in San Diego – are two-thirds of the way up the monster for singles and doubles. Mm-hmm. Balls that you square up, that triangle out there is not the easiest center field in the world to play. Boston may have the easiest left field to learn in the league and the hardest center and right. Yeah. Whereas Yankee Stadium is kind of the reverse. Left field in Yankee Stadium is notoriously difficult. Whereas if Manny Ramirez and Hanley Ramirez can capably play left field in Fenway... <laughs> Do the math. I mean, <laughs> turn around, stand there, learn the carom. You can too. Yeah. Well, they probably sit out there and throw balls off, you know, yeah. hit balls off the wall and you, and you learn it. That's all. 
It's I, just like playing a golf course yeah. so many times that you know the holes. Absolutely. You know where to hit if you hit a certain shot. You know what to do. I, I think this is a big series though. Like you going, said, the teams yeah. the teams are in first and second. The first series in the stadium was two one socks and the nineteen inning game. You were the which you were the, which I was what, at. Was that the only one you were scheduled to be at that weekend? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I had a wedding that weekend, so I was only there for Friday <laughs> night. Um you know, like that could have gone either way. So it's these two teams are well matched. The Red Sox pitching is is a little suspect, but their lineup is amazing. So, you know, it's going to come down to who executes on both sides of the ball. At least there'll be fans there though. So they got that going for them, which is nice. I don't even I don't even know if we want to get into that debacle, but what's that? The the Orioles and White Sox playing in an empty stadium. Did you? Yeah, but did you not hear Gary? Thorne's the master's voice master's was fantastic. Call? Yes. Oh my God, that was brilliant. I, every time I run into him, I talk to him because I thought he was great on ESPN Hockey. He's tremendous with baseball. Uh, he, he was, you know, one of my go-to guys when I was in college. If it was a hockey game, oh, Gary I Thorne is Gary a fantastic broadcaster. Call. Here's my issue with that with that whole thing. The games were the games were postponed the first two days out of fear of safety for, right. you know, and we were in the clubhouse Monday night um, after the Yankee Yankees Rays game and Kevin Kernan from the New York Post, a good friend of the program, love him, was asking guys, and I believe he wrote a story about it eventually. I haven't seen it if he did, but I believe he, he was or has about with players reacting to what was going on. And it was very salient at that point in time, too, because the Rays were the next... Well, they're not... Were, they are the next opponent for the Orioles, and that series has been moved to the drop. Right. And if I'm the owner of the Rays, all tickets are 10 bucks. sit where you want. Like, I would go all out to be like, you know what? We're going to make this affordable. We're going to fill this place but for these they, guys. are they going to flip-flop? Or, or, or No, they're just... It's going to be the same way that Toronto and Philly were when they reversed it okay. for the G20 Summit a few years ago when okay. they, they acted as the home team, even though they were on the road. Right. So if I was the owner of the Rays, I'd be like, look, seats are ten bucks. We'll donate proceeds to, you know, the city of Baltimore if there's right. relief Rebuild funds or whatever. Absolutely. You know? And we'll and we'll make the most of this situation. Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. But they canceled these games out of fear of safety and everything. And then they play the third game, and of course the curfew. Baltimore had the, the city of Baltimore had the curfew, which would have gone into effect before the game ended. But then they they play this game in an empty stadium. Were the safety concerns over? Because I, I think Baltimore was still burning at that point. It was. So what about all the stadium workers? What about like the wives, media. the media, the you know? I thought the same thing. Why not? I know. I, I know. There's n- more logistics to it than let's just do this. But why not move the games to DC? I've heard varying theories. People say, "Oh, there's bad blood between the Orioles and the Nationals," but that's not the time where bad blood should outweigh. You know, let's let's take care of the game, protect the shield. Bad blood aside, you move the game 40 miles south to D.C., 30 miles south, whatever it is, you can still get a lot of the Orioles fans can get there. You know, you'll fill the stadium. You get all the workers. As Seth, uh, Seth Rothman, our research guy and, and hockey writer mm-hmm. for YesNetwork.com said, that's just bad optics. It's yeah. a cool visual, but it's bad optics. I, thought, I mean... I thought it was cool, actually. You know, it was like you said, it was one of those... It was cool for, like, the first inning... And then after a while, you realize it's like, what? Guys are signing fake autographs. What is going on Colby here? Colby Joseph signing fake autographs. Yeah. I think it was... Uh, 
It's on eBay now. Chris, I saw. Chris Davis yeah, threw a ball. ball into And then Chris Davis hit one and landed at the, at the base of the warehouse in right field. So. <laughs> and there were fans out there. There were. They were peering in through the gate. Yeah. They just couldn't come inside. So why couldn't they come inside then? I see your point. Were they afraid? I, I understand they were afraid that maybe rioting would break out or something would happen in the stands in that controlled environment. But There were some, uh, I didn't see video, but I saw some pretty uh, scary pictures from yeah. over the weekend where fans were just at a bar and... Again, I can't comment on what was said. I wasn't there, but it looked like stuff got heated. Yeah. And the Orioles, I guess, uh, you know, they wanted to let the situation breathe. breathe. They wanted to let people peacefully protest and not have anybody. Because you know what happens at these baseball games, Lou. Mm-hmm. People get a couple in them. I saw it at the Yankees Red Sox the 19 inning game. Yeah. There was a fight in the left field upper deck. People get a couple in them, and you can't take mm-hmm. that chance where someone yep. who, who's a fan of the game, who has one too many beers or alcoholic beverages, and then goes out to that bar back there and says something to the protesters that shouldn't be said yep. and just incites something else. I, I, see, that's the reason why I thought Baltimore did the right thing. And I know it was weird, and I know it was bad optics, but at the same time, they're thinking of not only the people that are trying to peacefully protest and make a difference in Baltimore, but they're also trying to protect their fans, I think, from themselves for the most part. And I get that, but then the fact that there was fans peering in through the bars there in right field just made it... it, Yeah, Yeah, I I, I could see both sides, but but I really do. I I get why you were. Were you a fan of The Wire on HBO? Were you a Wire guy? I never, never watched an episode. They literally burned down the grocery store where one of the main characters in The Wire gets killed. Spoiler alert, it's been on TV for a decade. Omar? Omar. He gets killed in a grocery store in one of the more iconic scenes of the... And they literally burned down that grocery store during the protests. Hmm. Well, Carmelo Anthony was down there, and Geraldo Rivera was doing some interviews yesterday on Fox News, and the the people that were out protesting yesterday... They have their head on straight. Yep. They just want... Just be peaceful about it, right? Right. They just want all this stuff to end. They don't want their city destroyed. Yep. But they, they don't want people... And I get it. They don't want people like news organizations, all of them, coming in there, just, you know... Making it worse. Pretty much making it worse and um, profiting off the ratings off of this and then just leaving without telling the story afterwards. See, that's yep. the problem with everything. And President Obama said it, too. You know, we actually have to realize that this is a problem and not just realize it, but take action. Realize it after it's profitable to us in that way. Right. The the, the back around to the point I was making about the, the Kevin Kernan story was that, mm-hmm. you know, I was standing next to him when he was talking to Andrew Miller about it because I was interviewing Andrew Miller about something else right afterwards. And Andrew was like, you know, it's not so much the players I'm worried about, but their wives, their children, their right. families. Like, no, it's a bad situation that you just the, want to stay away from. That's that's the one Mark side Teixeira of it. Mark Teixeira said the same thing. He's from Baltimore. That's the one side yeah. of it that I had no idea why they would do that because they're putting everybody else at risk. Right. The media has to go cover the game. Yep. It's not like the media could take the day off. They have to be there. Right. Gary Thorne had to call the game yep. for radio or TV or whatever the yep. hell he was doing. So I, that's the point from your side. And Dan Connolly and Raj Kabatko and Britt Garoli and everybody else yeah. from, from the White Sox beat. Right, right. All had to be there. Just made it, it made, in, that, in that sense, it made no sense. Um, all right, well. If we're going to talk about fighting, let's talk about. Right. <laughs> let's talk about boxing. Because I know you want to touch on that. It's I a do. bad segue, but it's a segue nonetheless. It is a segue. You are the host of Boxing 30 here on Yes Network. I am. 
Directed by the one and only Victor Gonzalez. Victor Gonzalez. VG. We've um, got uh, we've got the fight of the century tomorrow night. It is only 2015, so you know. Well, the way boxing's going, it might hold up. Yeah, I, I have a feeling you're right. But anyway, you got Mayweather, you got Pacquiao. Mayweather scheduled to make just some fancy numbers that I worked on before I came up here. Didn't really take a lot of brain power, but Mayweather's supposedly going to make uh, upwards around 180 million. Pacquiao, 120 million. So just, let's just say this goes the distance. 12 rounds, three minute rounds. And 11 breaks. It's a 47 minute fight from bell to bell. So Floyd Mayweather will make $5 million a minute. A minute. Manny Pacquiao will make $3,333,333.33. A, a minute. minute. Uh, Floyd will make $15 million per round. Um, Manny Pacquiao will make just under $10 million a round. Mayweather's 47 and 0, 26 KOs. Uh, Pacquiao, 57 and 5, and two draws. And 47 times boring the holy hell out of me. Oh, uh, yeah. Mayweather. He's, he's not a, he's a boxer. He goes in, he gets points. He, he knows, he's a surgeon. He's a surgeon in the ring and he's quick. Uh, his last three wins were Canelo Alvarez, uh, majority decision over him. Marcos Maidana, one, majority decision. Marcos Maidana, two, unanimous decision. So, you know, he's very methodical in what he does. All three of his previous fights went the distance. He he's, gets not, he's not going to knock you out. He's an Olympic boxer. That's what he did. He goes right. in, like you said, he goes in, he gets his points early, and then he's a surgeon. He dances around, he avoids you, he he wins the fight early enough that he can just kind of evade, survive, and advance every other round. And it's it's great boxing. It is. Boring as hell to watch. The last four fights for Manny Pacquiao. Uh we'll go in reverse order. Chris Algieri, the kid from Long Island, he beat him in the Philippines. Unanimous decision. That was Algeria's first loss. Yep. So we handed him his first loss. Timothy Bradley, unanimous decision. Handed Timothy Bradley his first loss. Brandon Rios, unanimous decision. That was his second loss. Here's the one that should scare the hell out of everybody. Now look, Floyd doesn't punch like Juan Manuel Marquez. I was just going to say, where's the Marquez fights in there? It was four. Oh, it's coming. Okay. <laughs> But that fight, and I know this is, that's not the type of fighter Floyd is, but I thought, I thought that was it for Pacquiao. When I, when I saw that happen, yeah. he knocked he – didn't. it wasn't just a – he knocked him out. He was done. It was a J.R. Smith, J. Crowder situation. Yes, but he landed. He connected. Yeah. So did J.R. Smith. Well, you see J. Crowder fall down? He crumpled like a, like a wet newspaper. Hopefully but, he's okay. But that punch – from Marquez that knocked him out cold. It was, it was Buster Douglas esque. It was it that was. one magic punch that landed and ended the myth. Where Tyson's head did one of these, yeah. and his mouthpiece fell out, and, and he was looking for it. I, I well, I, you can't see me do it. I just did, but picture this, fans. Picture a Mike Tyson bobblehead doll with Chris Sheeran's head on it. Tyson's head did a Merton Hanks. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> it's the best way I could describe it. Uh, but yeah, um, listen. It's $100. It's half my cable bill to order this thing. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, I'm not ordering it. No, I my brother-in-law is ordering it, so I'll either be there or, or watching at a bar. I am the host of Boxing 30, but I'm telling you right now, 
I, it's too rich for my blood. I'll, I'll watch the replay for real. Um, Victor Gonzalez has invited me over to his daughter's house to watch it, uh, but it's in an un undisclosed location in New York. <laughs> and if... Meanwhile... Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice... Um, Have you ever heard that... Uh, Frank Caliendo? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, in, in another, another joke... joke. <laughs> Anyway, John sorry. Madden is still talking. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I, I know I sidetracked you with that, but I just oh, I thought God. of it no, as no, I no, said no. that. I, I listen to it every I heard time it, I hear it, it on Raw Dog. I, I, I yeah. To. Yeah. I listen to the Comedy Central radio every once in a while, too, and hear it. <laughs> but if the Nets win tonight, I will be at yes from 10 in the morning Sunday till after midnight. Because I have, I will have Nets pre-post for Game Seven, mm -hmm. and then Yankees extra innings after the Yankees Red Sox game for ESPN. So plus I, your boxing thirty responsibilities. So I politely told Victor, if I'm here for sixteen hours on Sunday, chances are I'm probably not going to watch the fight. Understandable. And I'm not going to spend half my cable bill. And speaking of. On a fight. Speaking of, if you want to spend half your cable bill, it's up to you. But tomorrow is quite a day. You have the Rangers. There's nothing going on. What are you talking about? We have the Rangers at 1230, right? Rangers. Rangers. The Rangers. At 1230. You have the Yankees Red Sox, I believe, a 1 p.m. start tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So you can DVR one game and watch the other and then watch them back to back. You'll have the Kentucky Derby. 618. 618. And then you have the Floyd. Mets are at night. And Floyd. then you have Floyd against Pacquiao. And the NFL draft. And the NFL draft. Day rounds three. four through seven. Yeah. That is quite a day. You could wake up, sit in your chair, and not move. Yep. You might have a case of blisters on your rear end mm -hmm. by the end of tomorrow. See, for me, if that was me, I would have the draft going on my iPad, on like the Optimum app or watch ESPN or one of those, you know? Because you know how to multitask. Right. And then that way, because that's something that's kind of a lot of filler for a little bit of action. I need the iPad because, see, you don't have this problem yet, but you will someday. Where Peppa Pig is oh, on 40-inch yeah. uh, HD TV. Meanwhile, you know, I'm Meanwhile, <laughs> back in another room. <laughs> I'm watching the Yankees on my iPad <laughs> or the Rangers or whoever I need to watch at the time. But uh Is that and in the other room there's lifetime stories going on? Is your wife watching no, the Lifetime no, channel or something? She's either playing games on her phone or she's watching Peppa Pig with my two year old. Yeah. Our two year old. But uh, real quick on the Rangers, because we have reached the magic hour. Mm -hmm. We were going to talk about the Kentucky Derby, too, but we realized that none of us know anything more than the names of the horses. Yeah. So really, it's, it's a yeah. horse race. And if whoever wins tomorrow doesn't win in three weeks, no one's going to care about the third one anyway. So there's no. your horse racing update. All right. Done. Thanks, Lou. Uh, moving right along, um, the Rangers. Just real quick. Rangers. Uh, we've, like I said, we've hit the magic hour, but I have to have a comment. Uh, you know, they they came so close so many times to scoring on Braden Holpe, and it's what we talk about. You know, pucks dancing over sticks and not getting an opportunity to bang it home. Uh, J.T. Miller had a chance in the first period. He just redirected it. It went off the post, like yep. the outside of the post. He redirected it, almost scored. Uh, unfortunately, the Rangers were not playing horseshoes. so Or hand grenades. Yeah, or hand grenades. So they lose 2-1. to one. And the la you know, I'm sitting there in bed thinking, all right, at least we're going to overtime. We tied it up late. We have momentum going. 
30 seconds left, I got up to go get a drink you and came, came back, back and the, the game, game was, was over. Because I'm like, oh, we're going overtime. And the game was over. I had the NFL draft on my iPad, like I said. And, you know, something that shocked me that I saw on the postgame, Ryan McDonough, the captain of the team, when Nick Backstrom planted Dan Boyle into the boards, hesitated because he thought there was going to be a call. No whistle. You can't hesitate. You can this is the play. Right, who was now? Who was that again? Who who hesitated? The captain, Ryan McDonough. Yes. Who was it last year that made a the boneheaded mistake of all boneheaded mistakes in overtime in Girardi. game one? That's your top defensive pairing. Yeah. They need to know better in those situations. Yeah, I give I give McDonough credit for actually coming out and owning it. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to say that. No. He didn't they, have to they missed to that. They missed Zuccarello. There were a lot of times yeah. where Jesper Fast just wasn't wasn't fast enough. He for, wasn't like, Zuccarello. For, no, sorry for the pun. Zuccarello but. does all the little things. He's an agitator. He's fast. He could, you know, all, he just he's a blur. He's like mm-hmm. Haglin mm-hmm. on another line, but he does so much more than that. I mean, they are going to miss him. I, I hope it's not. He's. I hope he's not out for the rest of the playoffs. It looks like that may be, according to our insider, Seth that's, Rothman. That's terrible. Allegedly a concussion. Yeah, it's terrible. If the Rangers lose this series, you will look back at the last three seconds of game one as to why. I mean, let's be fair. If they go to overtime, anything can happen. They still could lose the game, but it's not that. An overtime loss can't be that soul crushing. I guess, I guess Ryan McDonough never watched the movie The Rock. Welcome to The Rock. You must never hesitate. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> I'm Sean Connery. You can't. You, uh, Buck futter. <laughs> but even, even like, it's like an NBA game. Clock winding down. You got to be aware of the clock winding. They're not going to call that. They're not. No. They didn't. Uh, it, it incenses me to no avail. But everybody at the gym is asking me, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to win game? That's what you do. Quick turnaround. Short, as Alex Rodriguez said about his 0 for 6 day the other day. Short memory. Just got to go out and there's another one Go Friday. out and win game two. Go yep. out and be the better team in game two. Because, listen. Another one day after tomorrow. It, it wasn't even the fact that the Caps were the better team. I don't think they were. The Rangers had a ton of chances. Yep. First, They won the first period of my eyes, even though they were down one nothing. And Joel Ward also knows a thing or two about huge playoff goals. Let's, yes, let's put it does. that way. So. And, and Ovechkin's just scary. Ovechkin's yeah. like uh, uh, the devil who, who went back to Russia. Why is his name slipping me right now? Uh, Kovalchuk. Yeah. Those are guys like when the puck is taped to their stick, you just grab the side of your chair or your couch and you don't let go until, you know, Lundqvist stops it or it goes wide or whatever. They're that good. They are assassins. They are snipers. And, it, and, and Ovechkin proved it last night. You cannot give this guy room. Nope. On the power play, he gets the puck on the wing. And my goodness. No, and, and, and who said? Uh, it wasn't Doc. Uh, it was Pierre. Doc didn't even do the game last night. But Pierre Maguire said no goaltender in the league was stopping that shot. No. None. And it, it was in and out before. I mean, they had to slow down the replay so you could see it get in there. Yeah. That's how fast it was. So you can't blame Lundqvist for that. Uh, you really can't blame Lundqvist for the game winner either. It was just a great setup. Ovechkin taped it right to Ward's stick in 1.3 seconds. I mean, come on. Like I said, even losing in overtime, knowing that any point, you had 1.3 seconds ago, that's got to be 
more soul-crushing than an overtime loss just because of the way it happened. So, like you said, short memory, game two is Saturday short afternoon. Memory. They win game two, they go down to D.C., and it's a whole new series. Yeah. best of five. Yeah, absolutely. Just like the Nets tonight. They win the night. It's a one-game season in Atlanta. Yeah, just go get it. One at a time. Go get it. Nets tonight, Rangers tomorrow. You know what I want to go get? What's that? Lunch. All right. Because we've, we've we're at like an hour 10 now. All right, all right. Lou's going to get lunch. <laughs> That's I... called a segue to the ending. Yes, segue to the ending. Lunch. Do you ever go to Louie's Lunch? In New Haven? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Little steamed cheeseburgers? So good. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> if you get a chance, check that out up in New Haven, Connecticut. Just know what you're ordering before you get to the front. Yeah. And it's then if you're still places. hungry, go down and get some pizza from Peppy, Sally's, Modern. You won't anywhere. be hungry. Trust yeah. me. If you get two of those burgers, you're not going to be able to eat for a week. They're tremendous. And they're on white toast. With just onion and, and tomato. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, the, and do yourself a favor. Free commercial for Louis Lunch. I don't know why your name. I don't know. The potato salad. Best potato salad I ever had, besides my grandmother's Italian potato salad. That's saying something. All right. I better get some free hamburgers next time I go. <laughs> All right. For Lou DiPietro, that's at Lou DiPietro, yes. I am at Chris Sheeran, yes. We'll see you next time here on The Chris Sheeran Show. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody.